0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I am Bryson Carver, and man, we've got an absolutely jam-packed show on tap for you guys tonight. First of all, a minor change. I'm always trying to tweak Carving It Up in the little areas we can. I'm actually wearing my my wireless uh, earbuds, my Raycon earbuds today. Uh, I normally go with my... my uh, My, uh, my old Apple, like kind of headphones, like plug up, uh, plug in this, this, this mic here. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, the, the sound quality is much better so I, I can't hear the output from, or the input rather from my mic into my earbuds, but I assume everybody out there can hear, so as long as that's the case, then we should ha- uh, be on tap for a great show. Parnell is going to be joining the show. Parnell St. Prue, the host of the Commander's Demand podcast uh, here at the Grid Network. He'll be stopping by in about 15 minutes. I cannot imagine he is overly thrilled with his Commander's performance last night against the Chicago Bears. I'll leave my show off with that in just a second. Also, the Vol View you back once again on Carving Up Live. Maybe we won't start right at 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific as we normally do on Fridays, but somewhere around that time. It is a bye week for Tennessee, but I do have a take on where where my vols are at right now going into this bye week and a big game next week against the Texas A&M Aggies. And of course, it is my week five NFL predictions. The Sunday games, obviously not going to predict Packers, Raiders until the day of the game next Monday. Uh, But listen, I'm 0-1 my picks. I picked the Commanders not just to win, but to cover. But I have to tell y'all, of we're, we're we're basically a month into the season i i have not felt more confident about my picks and i, I had a solid I, I went eight and eight in week three not great but then bounce back good 10 and six record in week four i'm gonna tell you something i know i'm on one uh but maybe it's a good omen to a certain degree for a big sunday big sunday full of great picks very very exciting should be a fun show no doubt about it tyler helton's of the comments what's up tyler how you doing man uh, like I said, we've got an absolutely jam-packed show on tap for you guys tonight. But first, before Parnell joins the show to discuss Washington Commanders, I got to talk Chicago Bears and what was a <laughs> you know the first win for Chicago uh, in 14 tries, and it's it's almost almost kind of fitting. I, I'm 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 not a believer in football gods. However, there are some some things that happen where you're like, okay, there might have been a little bit of divine intervention uh, to a certain degree in this because. Yesterday, we got the sad news that the legendary linebacker, Dick Buckus, maybe the greatest linebacker of all time, uh, passed away at the age of 80, probably the greatest Chicago Bear of all time, either him or Walt, Walter Payton. Uh, absolute legend in, in that city, and, and certainly his his, his presence uh, is, is going to be missed, no question about it, in the Windy City. Uh, so maybe it was kind of like meant to be for the Bears to, to finally break this losing streak and beat the Commanders last night, which they did. So doubling them up, 40-20. to 20. In our nation's capital, not exactly. It's in Landover, but you get the point. 40-20 uh, to 20 Chicago Bears over the Washington Commanders. Uh, Justin Fields had his best game of the season, and maybe you could argue his best game in the last uh, two years. Four touchdown passes, QBR of 77, and a passer rating of 125. The Bears ran the football down Washington's throat. 178 yards, 5.6 a carry. Uh, Fields himself went for 57 yards on 11 carries. And the defense was outstanding in the first half. A little... A little dicey in the second half. You know, there's a little, there's a point in time where it got to, you're like, okay, is Washington coming back? Again, more on the Commanders later, especially with with my man Parnell, looking forward to having him on the show. But, listen, I was a guy who, coming into the season, really liked the Bears. As a team that could fight for that last playoff spot in the NFC North, I decided to go with with the Vikings. I said there were like two, I felt confident about my, about my division winners, uh, which I think, let me see, I had Cowboys. I had the Saints in the south. I had Detroit and who did I and the 49ers at West obviously. Obviously Cowboys Niners huge game this weekend, more on that later. And then I was very confident. Whoever's second in the NFC East, whether it was Dallas or Philly, was absolutely making the playoffs. And then there were like two wildcard spots. I'm like, okay, these are kind of up for grabs. I stupidly thought the Giants could contend for one. That ship has sailed. No question about that. I decided to go with Seattle and Minnesota. Seattle, I'm being proven pretty right on that. Minnesota, not as much. I thought the defense would be better. It is not. And Kirk Cousins and the offense is turning the ball over at very inopportune times. However, I thought the Bears could contend for one of those spots. I'm like, okay, They give Justin Fields some weapons. By the way, one of those being DJ Moore in the trade that involved the Bears giving up the number one overall pick in the draft. And all DJ Moore was, I don't know, go for eight catches, 233 yards, and three touchdowns on the evening. In Washington. He was absolutely spectacular. I was always a big, a big DJ Moore fan going back to his days at Carolina. I always said he didn't get the shine he deserved because A, let's be honest, Carolina, Charlotte's kind of a small market, and he never at any point in time got elite quarterback play. I'm not quite sure he's getting that now in Chicago, but I thought with, with Justin Fields, there it could kind of lift him up. Um here's where I'm at though in Chicago today. So they start owing for some some really brutal losses, some close losses to to the Broncos in particular. Justin Fields played awful in in the first three. And so for him to play well again, it's on a short week, two games, basically a five-day stretch. It's got to be somewhat encouraging for Bears fans. You go one on one in that stretch. I got to admit, y'all, I- I'm still not quite, quite ready to move off what I said back in week two. When I'm I'm just not so sure if Jordan. If, if I'm sorry, if uh, Justin Fields is the guy. Yes, the offensive line isn't great. Yes, the coaching staff makes some questionable moves. They did just this past Sunday on that fourth down and one against the Denver Broncos. There, there's, some, there's plenty of, of questions, question marks in that regard. However, the biggest issue for me and my always what's always been my biggest criticism of Justin Fields, going back to especially last year, despite all the highlight plays, and he's, you know, running for his life and taking the ball 50 yards down the field with his legs. My concern always was, at the end of the day, his pocket presence and his comf- comfortability in the pocket. And still, there are moments last night where you're like, eh, does he does he look all the way, you know, kind of there? Does he look comfortable? Does he look like he's, again, he barely, barely completed 50% of his passes, only 15 for 29. I'll let that stat up for sort of this point of the argument I'm making. And that Washington's defense has shown us, and they've got the personnel in the front four. I still believe that with Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, and company. That back end is awful. And Emmanuel Forbes, the first round pick they took out of Mississippi State, was 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 benched, I guess, for I still haven't gotten the exact reason why. Maybe Parnell can detail that for us later, but Washington's secondary has been a mess. If you look at what Washington's past defense has done uh, this season, it has been absolutely abysmal. So they play well against the Cardinals, 120-16. to uh, They beat the Broncos, but Denver's offense scored 33 points. Russell Wilson threw for 308 in three touchdowns, and had a pass rating over 100. Then you go to the next week against Buffalo. I remember that was my upset of the week. I was way off, 34 points off, uh, for, for, for that matter. In that one, uh, Buffalo's offense went up and down the field. The running game was excellent uh, for, for the Bills. And then last week against a Philadelphia pass offense that, Let's be honest, kind of struggle struggled a little bit. They've got the personnel. Jalen Hurts is spectacular. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, the whole crew. However, this is, a, again, this is a pass off. It's even against Tampa Bay that kind of had their lumps. And then Washington, they went up and down the field. Again, another 300-yard passing day from Jalen Hurts. A couple touchdown passes just this past Sunday. And then Justin Fields last night throws for four touchdowns. Again, I'm not sure... Because you look at DJ Moore's stats, if you didn't watch the game, you say, oh, eight catches, 230 yards, or whatever it was, three touchdowns. He's, he was spectacular, and there's no question he was. To me, he was the star of the night. A lot of those, and I mean a lot of those yards, what do we get to give it, 150, 175 of those were yards after catch? Now, that's not to punish the quarterback, because Kirk Cousins gets a lot of yards on Justin Jefferson yards after the catch, and, and, and uh, Brock Purdy gets a lot of yards after the catch with guys like Brandon Ayuk. We understand that. But we've seen the difference is, and people get on Kirk Cousins and people for some odd reason still don't believe in Brock Purdy. We've seen those guys make tough throws in tough situations in the pocket. Maybe when it's collapsing a little bit, we still really haven't seen it. And it's year three. We still really haven't seen that from Justin Fields to this point. Uh, And a guy that's in year three, I've always said the Bill Parcells rule of evaluating quarterbacks, I believe in it strongly, is that. Year one, it's developmental year, it's rookie, It's the rookie year, like we really positively or negatively can't judge rookie quarterbacks that fairly. Again, I was a huge on Bryce Young coming to the draft due to his size, and I don't anticipate him growing to 6'2 next offseason. But, again, rookie year, again, the game's so much faster, and he has no offensive line. Maybe Carolina can address that next offseason, so he's kind of remains to be seen. But by year two, if you're not seeing that big jump, that's a little bit of a concern. And if by year three, the organization isn't sure if you're the guy or not, they need to cut bait and move on. That's kind of where I'm at in the Chicago Bears, a Chicago Bears team that, remember, a lot of Bears fans, I should say a lot, because they want to win football games. Losing 14 straight is is humiliating. But you had a segment of Bears fans out there that were like, of wish we'd rather I kind of would have rather we lost that game. Our season goes into the tank. We fire our coach. Maybe at some point we bench Justin Fields with like three, four weeks to go in the regular in the season when our season is, is just going down the drain in, in in mid to late December, and we get the number one pick. Remember though, we don't think Chicago's gonna have a great season. They're certainly not gonna make the playoffs. That's that that again, kind of like the Giants, and the Giants are one and three. At least the Giants gotta win before the before the Bears did. That ship has sailed. good news is for the Bears even if you go six and 11 and which is would obviously not be good enough to get the number one pick guess what a in a in a rare turn of events in terms of good Bears front office management they could go six and 11 and still get the number one pick you know why because they have Carolina's pick from where Carolina traded all those picks and DJ Moore for the number one pick of the draft to select Bryce Young so if the Bears still aren't sold on on Justin Fields, and even if they don't necessarily get the number one pick in the draft, they could still, if they don't get Caleb Williams with number one, we obviously know he's going number one, they could get a Drake May. They could get a Michael Penix Jr. I don't think Shador Sanders is coming out uh, this year. I think he'll want to stay another a year of college with, with, with Coach Prime. But if he does, Shador Sanders will be available. Uh, I'm not as big on Bo Nix as some people are, but Bo Nix would be available. I mean, th- This is as stacked a quarterback draft as, as we've ever seen, ever. In the history of the National Football League, um, there's as much quarterback talent in college as... as, as, I mean, I have been watching college football for decades. I'm only 20 years old, for crying out loud. But uh, it it is incredibly deep at that position. So if you're Chicago, and the good news if you're a Bears fan is that it isn't like the schedule, because it's a last-place schedule, is... uh, you know, there's not a bunch of world beaters on here. I mean, the Chicago's gonna have Minnesota next week uh, at home with an extra three days to prepare, get healthy, uh, you know, get rest before that game. Then they've got the Raiders, who have a terrible defense. Uh, they've got the Chargers, and we know those <laughs> those uh, you know questionable coaching calls that uh, that Brandon Staley can make from time to time. At the Saints is tough. Carolina will see at Detroit. They're not winning that game against Detroit, uh, who they play two times in three weeks. But you got another game against Minnesota. You got some games against Atlanta in here. So there are some there are some beatable defenses similar to Washington's that Chicago will have on the schedule again the question is going to be whether or not Justin Fields can put a similar performance like this together he doesn't necessarily need to throw four touchdown passes but I would like to see him not struggle to complete 50% of his passes and again keep in mind a lot of those yards by DJ Moore a lot of yards after the catch that 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 had more to do with more to do with Chicago's uh, offensive um offensive, uh, great offensive night uh, more than it did fields, just making some, some, some dot throws, uh, so to speak. So hats off to the Bears for their sake. I'm glad the, the losing streak is over uh, the last, uh, the last game, I think they won. I remember this game was when they played the New England Patriots on a Monday night football game last year. And uh, the reason I remember that game the most is because when, that's when Belichick kept going from Mac Jones to Bailey Zappi and kept flip-flopping back to Mac Jones and then Mac Jones kicked somebody in the, in, in the crotch. That's kind of what he's, he's known to do. So yeah, that, that's, that's kind of what, 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 you know, that, that that that's what he does. So that was the last Bears win. Um they get the win last night, props to him. And um, you yeah, know, they're they're in a they're in a solid spot moving forward, but I still think that this should be a big time. so Bears are one and four. So they've got they've got twelve games left this season. This twelve games is for Justin Fields' career as a Chicago Bears starter. Because there's gonna be a short leash because of what that quarterback class looks like in twenty twenty four, even if you don't get Caleb Williams, which you still might because of of Carolina's struggles and you have their pick we'll see it's going to be very very interesting uh next 12 games next basically 3 months uh, for the Chicago Bears but they're i'm hearing some bears fans say hey you know this is this is the, this starts our winning streak to make the playoffs no it does not start your winning streak to make the playoffs that that is that's not going to happen I've uh, got a comment here before I get to my next guest uh Tyler Hilton says who you got Vikings versus Chiefs what score well you'll have to stay tuned for later in the show Tyler if you're still in here uh for my week five NFL predictions uh later Are you, I don't know Tyler may be a Chiefs fan maybe a Vikings fan maybe gambling I don't know you know Kansas City's a three point three and a half point favorite so there's there's I gotta admit to y'all I love some of the lines this week in, in in that Vegas is set so so hats off to uh to, to Las Vegas doing doing their thing once again okay so I gave, the, I gave the Bears' perspective, and I'm, of course, more than comfortable giving the, the, the Washington commander's perspective, but it's, it's kind of hard to do that, uh, at least effectively, if I, if I don't have the commander's guy. Uh, here at The Grid Network. He has been a part of The Grid since earlier this year. I think we added him during the spring. Uh, He's been a fantastic addition to the network. You also know him as Sports PSP. He's got his own podcast uh, with that covering all sports. And we'll get into some James Harden stuff and some Cowboys Niners stuff a little later. But would you please welcome back to Carving Up Live. It is the host of the Commander's Demand podcast. This is parnell st prue parnell what's up my man how you doing good bryson how are you doing man i'm doing great man it's great to have you back on the show let's see this is your first time on i think i think i remember having you on during the the free agency special that you you i and barry did during the nba uh which was fun but um first and foremost i can't imagine you're you're all that thrilled giving the your washington commander's uh performance last night getting doubled up uh, by the chicago bears uh just your overall takeaway on what happened last night in in the nation's capital.
1: Well, if you saw my podcast earlier, I definitely had an awful lot to say regarding the loss. Um, that was probably one of the worst losses that we had as a Commanders fan, because prior to that game, we were six and a half point favorites to win. It was Thursday night football, Amazon, and right out of the gate. Justin Fields was throwing bombs to DJ Moore and our DBs couldn't do anything to get him on the ground. He had eight catches, 230 yards. That's like an average of 28.8 yards per catch and three TDs. You never, I, I didn't think that just the Chicago bears would have another excellent performance. You would have thought, okay, it's Denver. Denver has pro, on paper right now, the worst defense in the NFL currently. You would have thought that Washington, okay. After a tough loss, very tough loss to um, Philadelphia. You only lost by three in overtime. Okay, you should win this game. You move up to three and two. And it literally, as a Commanders fan, our heart was ripped right out of our chest. I mean, that that's the bottom line at the end of the game. Our defense, the past four games, has given up 30 points or more. We gave up 33 against the Broncos, 30 points against the Bills, You saw what happened last week against the Eagles, 34, and then last night, 40. You can't win that way. And look, I don't want to take any credit away from Justin Fields or the Chicago Bears, but I think it has to say more to do with how incompetent Washington is. Sam Howell, I can't ask much from him because this is his first year as a starter, and that offensive line is just horrible. Again, once again, sacked five times. and. I just felt like Washington. I, I at some point I need people to stop convincing me how good this team really is because I, I'm questioning and wondering about this team. And you saw what Magic Johnson tweeted. Yeah. You saw the tweet. No urgency, yeah. no fire. And that's exactly how the commanders play. It was like they didn't even want to show up to work.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that, that was kind of their, you know, at least in this new ownership era with Josh Harris, and you mentioned Magic Johnson, who was in the building last night uh, at FedEx Field. That was kind of like their first, uh, it was obviously their first primetime game of the year, but that's I guess, I guess that's the first sort of showing for the Commanders that, that the whole country's gotten to see uh, collectively in a standalone game, and it, it, as you said, it to say the very least, it left a lot to be desired. Um, you and I have, it, we text often during, during Commanders games, um, y- you and I, especially for the last couple of games, talked about Ron Rivera, and I, I've always been a Rivera guy, uh, but there's been a lot of criticism today i think rightfully so in the fact that hey this is a guy who was known as as riverboat ron for for being you know kind of uh you know being kind of aggressive on it, whether it's fourth down plays or whether it's you know whether whatever the case may be and then last night uh there was that one play where sam howell and you've called sam howell a, a warrior which i think is a, is, a, is an adequate description of the guy it, he may not be patrick Mahomes or joe burr or anything but the kid plays you know the kid plays it's his butt off every and game and so he is he's a competent quarterback quarterback and you know he makes that play third down 12 he he breaks it seemed like 17 sacks on one play and almost gets the first down they're already in field goal range obviously down by 16 and and, and I think it was down by 16 then uh, Ron Rivera decides to 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 kick the field goal and sort of kind of lets the air out of the at the stadium, it seems like your quarterback maybe has mm-hmm. has built a little bit of momentum for you. Um, your thoughts on Ron Rivera today, uh, again, you were, I think, if I remember correctly, you were a little bit skeptical about him coming into the season, this being, I think, year four for Absolutely. him as, as Washington's head coach. Uh, your thoughts on Ron Rivera today? He needs to go.
1: And I, Wow, I, okay. I, 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 I'm sorry, Bryson. I know you like him more than I do, but I think I've seen enough. After four years uh, of work, and I tweeted – he went from riverboat Ron to shiver boat Ron because he shivers. He's like scared. Why are you being so scared to take that type of chance to go for it? Okay, fine. If we fail, we'll live with the result. But at least go for it. Barson, I'm going to be honest with you. Once it hit 27 to 3 at halftime, I turned. I changed the channel. I changed, oh, wow. I, I changed the channel. I'm like... Forget this game. I'm going to go watch some Netflix. I'm going to go watch some Hulu. I'm going to go watch some HBO Max because we all know what the rest of the group on the grid is going to have to say about the commander's performance as well as the rest of the fans my and family I live with. I was like, enough. That I cannot take this game anymore. I've seen enough from Ron Rivera. Once it hit 27 to 3, I changed the channel. And I'm like, I'm tired of this. And Ron Rivera is just losing, losing my confidence and trust in him. You know, last week in the Eagles game, he's, you know, the reason why he decided not to go for two. Why you know, is that? He
0: admitted that the team was gassed. They, he, he, but not, to, not to interject uh, here, Parnell. Did they, before that last touchdown pass, that Howell threw to Dotson, either it was that, by Washington or I think it was by Philly, wasn't there a timeout before that play?
1: You know the touchdown I, I that think Sam through to Jahan Dotson to put it 31-30? That was the reason yeah, yeah. why he decided not to go for two. He, he said that he was gassed. My thing was, okay, Ron, if the team was gassed, why not go for two? Why not go for the win? Sure. Now, I understand from a standpoint, okay, You wanted to take a conservative approach. You wanted to go for the extra point. Um, Maybe you have a chance in overtime, in which they did. And unfortunately, at overtime, they failed. But I have lost complete faith in Ron Rivera as a head coach. He's great as far as a leader. But defense, which has been his signature, Washington defensively on paper has been atrocious. And which is why I believe after next season, although some people may not like it, I would like to see Eric Bieniemy as the head coach for the Washington Commanders because at least I see much more potential with the offense than I have with this defense. And our defense last year had a really good season. And we yeah. have a really good defensive line led with Chase Young. Chase Young has been playing well so far this season. He's been healthy, and he's been getting after the quarterback. We also have Montez Sweat, De'Ron Payne, um, Jonathan Allen. Our problem, our defenses are secondary. We just can't find ways to contain the pass. And Emmanuel Forbes, because I said this before on Commander's Demand, I still have regrets whether taking him over Christian Gonzalez, even though Christian Mm. Gonzalez is hurt and will be out for the remainder of the season. Emmanuel Forbes going up against wide receivers who are great, After the catch and are physical, he's going to have an awful long time unless he finds a way to change his career, whether adding on weight or developing more as a corner.
0: I remember us all being very skeptical when we did our grid draft show back in April. Us all being very kind of like, "Huh, that was like a very kind of odd pick." We felt like Emmanuel Forbes was more of a late first round or early second round guy. Um, but but no, you're 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 right. And and there was again, there's a very situate weird situation surrounding him, and it's kind of odd. Again, as far as but I think it's interesting your your theory about B enemy about you know making him the guy. And you know, I've always been of the belief that. So Ron Rivera is, is a defensive coach. He specializes in the defensive side of the ball. Uh, it's kind of like Brandon Staley, not to, as bad as Staley, but Staley's a defensive coach. His defense might be a bottom five in the NFL. Like, you've got to – that would be like if Andy Reid uh, was the head coach uh, in Kansas City and the offense was awful. I know the offense has had some 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 peaks and valleys here and there, but you know, by and large, with Patrick Mahomes, obviously that that that, that helps tremendously. But that would be like if his offense was bad for like a three-month stretch. It's like, okay, what, what there's got to be something with with the coaching here. That's, that's some interesting points uh, made by you uh and again i last last commander's question then we can move on real quick though we've got a, a comment here uh the cowboys camp initially had a comment uh our, our teammates here at the grid had initially a comment that uh uh I, I wasn't gonna read it here but he, he said "PG 13 not going for two talking about the game against philly mm. was such a punk move um, uh to a certain degree and and plus there's the the ron Vera situation before the uh Remember he said, if I'd have known that Sam Howell was this good, i started start him last year. It's he, like, well, he, he did. was there last year.
1: And he did, and he, and he decided to go with Carson Wentz in that game against Cleveland last year instead of him, instead of Howell, or Taylor Heineke. Again, that just shows you how clueless he is.
0: Yeah, and again, I, you're right, I've always been kind of a Rivera guy, but there's been just the last couple of years, I mean, even he kind of Kind of not, not even openly criticizing enemy, but remember that whole situation of enemies yelling yes. at players. I'm like, well, that's that's kind of normal. Why are you even making that a story? Because you know some people are going to freak out and take that and run with it, uh, especially with some, the weird narratives that have surrounded enemy. And I've I've always been a fan of his, uh, but I, I think that be you may have the next set coaching house. Uh, hopefully for your sake you do. Um, as for Sam Howell, then we'll move on to to the Cowboys Niners game. Uh, again, I I think I was more skeptical about Sam. I felt like he was in that sort of, I always call it, low-end starter, high-end backup. Guys like Mitch Trubisky or Teddy Bridgewater, kind of that class. Um, I'm still not sure if he's in or out of that right now. What's your thoughts on Sam Howell? Because I, I think you've been relatively praiseworthy of him thus far through the first five games.
1: Considering the circumstances that he's in so far, I think he's doing a solid job. I think Eric the Enemy has to rely on running the football more. Again, Washington is not Kansas City's offense where they're heavily relied on throwing the football. Sam Howell, you can't expect him to play at a level like Patrick Mahomes because he's just not that guy. So I think with Eric bien you have two solid running backs in Brian Robinson Jr. and Antonio Gibson, so you have to balance it out. Would I like Sam Howell to throw the ball at least 25, 30 times? Yes, but also our strength is running game. But our biggest problems offensively is that our offensive line. We have not done our part in protecting Sam Howell, and Sam Howell does hold on to the football a little too long, so he's just gonna have to do a better job getting rid of the football. The other problem that I have, Terry McLaurin, and Terry McLaurin, I I think is a top ten wide receiver. We have to do a better job as far as getting him the football. And last night, uh, unfortunately, his performance. It was way overshadowed by DJ Moore. Terry McLaurin, four catches for 49 yards. And so far, he hasn't had a 100-yard game this season. Maybe we'll see it later down the road. But at this point with Sam Howell, I think he's doing the best job he possibly can. Um, But it's hard to do that with a first-year offensive coordinator and with that offensive line. So major changes must be made in Washington. Do I think Sam Howell is the franchise quarterback for the Commanders? Can you win a Super Bowl with uh can you win a Super Bowl as him as the guy? No. You can win some games with him. That's about it. Maybe get to the playoffs once or twice, but I don't see Sam Howell as a long-term future for Washington, and especially with the way he's getting hit because if he continuously gets hit like this, then at some point we're going to have to call Jacoby Myers in.
0: Yeah, and and I I I was I don't know if you heard my take earlier when I was talking about Justin Fields saying that you know this quarterback draft is is going to be loaded coming up this this upcoming year and this is kind of a prove it year given that he's in year 3. Uh would you be or, let, let, I'll just say I'll, I'll make uh, I'll make you Parnell the general manager of the Washington Commanders for a day. Would you select a quarterback on draft night? Cuz there's it's a good class. It's really good class, but I really
1: need some O-line. Even if I had a good quarterback okay. behind, even if I had a good quarterback, good signal caller, good quarterbacks need old line And as long as you don't have an old line to protect your quarterback, you're asking a quarterback an awful lot. That's like w- without linemen, that's a quarterback's nightmare. So even if we had Caleb Williams, Drake May, Michael Penix Jr., all really, really good, co- excellent quarterbacks especially for this year's draft, because this draft is loaded with quarterbacks. I would wait until 2025. Okay. Okay. I would wait until 2025. I give Sam Howell another year or so. And if it doesn't work out, okay, I think it's time we get a quarterback. Maybe Shador Sanders, maybe Drew Allar from Penn State. Who knows? That's how I would look at it. But 2024, I would heavily invest on O-line and i would heavily invest on dbs those are my biggest areas wash wash um washington needs major improvement those are the areas i'm mostly concerned about if i'm washington
0: Okay, I feel you, and uh, like I said, appreciate you, you know, giving your take taking the commanders because listen, like I said, I can do it, but hey, man, if we've got a commanders guy here, what, what the heck am I? What, it's like if I if I was going to talk Ravens, which yeah, I'm not going to say that many favorable things about the Ravens. It wouldn't be know, the I'm same without fan. Dev. Yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be the same without Dev Parnell. It, it, it just wouldn't. So that's you know that goes. Like I said, you do a great job at the show. Great show by the way. Early this morning, everybody check that out on the Grid Network. Um, Thank you. the biggest game though of the weekend is 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 Dallas and San Francisco. Obviously, rematch the playoffs, a couple years uh, in a row. San Francisco getting the better of Dallas in both matchups. Um, what are, and you, you you're more than welcome to to give your pick for this game. What 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 to you what what is the what are the sort of uh, the keys for the game uh, in order for Dallas or for San, San Francisco to win this football game on Sunday night?
1: Well, I feel like you're trying to get me in trouble because Patrick and Barry, we all know they're Cowboy fans and they want to hear nothing from a Commanders fan. But hey, um, hey, hey!
0: this ain't about this. You're on my show, man. You can say whatever you want. OK, this ain't right. the great group chat for those out all there right.
1: wondering. Um, as for the game, I think the key for Dallas containing Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey, if the MVP were not a quarterback award, I think he would win it because he's been playing unbelievable football so far this season. He's been great in like four games. Um, When I look at Dallas, the only way you're going to have to take away Christian McCaffrey, you're going to have to dare Brock Purdy to beat you because Brock Purdy is going to have to get out of his comfort shadow with the system, with Kyle Shanahan. If you're just going to put pressure on Kyle Shanahan, uh, pressure on Brock Purdy, if you take away the running game of San Francisco, I think Dallas's defense should be fine. They played well enough last year at San Francisco in order for them to win, but Of course, and we all know because we all know how you feel about him, Bryson, Dak. What type of performance are we going to see from Dak Prescott? Dak Prescott, to his credit this season, has played solid. Has he played spectacular? No, but I think he's played solid enough. Um, It it comes down to the Cowboys in terms of the consistency or inconsistency. inconsistency. Because before the, the Patriots game, We saw what happened at Arizona. They gave up over 200 yards rushing. Dak didn't cash in in the red zone. And by the way, that is a big deal for Dak. If they're going to win games, he's going to be able to cash in the check in the red zone. And, of course, that awful interception that he threw in Arizona. I think for Dak, this is a huge statement game. Because who knows? Cowboy fans, they've probably seen enough body of work from you. You're now in your eighth year of your career. You have to play well enough just in order to win this game. I'm not asking a spectacular or great performance from Dak Prescott, but he has to play well enough or not be the reason why the Dallas Cowboys have lost because Dallas's defense has done its part. And I think offensive line. Now the question with the offensive line with Dallas, their offensive line, are they going to be healthy enough to go up against the San Francisco's D line? That's a concern there. Um, Tony Pollard will be there. Is Tony Pollard playing?
0: Yeah, it looks like he's playing from what I've seen. Yes.
1: Yeah. So I think Dak's going to have to make some throws. The offensive line is going to have to do a solid job of protecting him. But Dak Prescott, no turnovers. He's got to be able to take care of the football. And when it comes to the red zone, you got to be able to cash in the check. That's what I think Dallas needs to do. And also, another thing that Dallas needs to do. Penalties, they cannot commit oh, dumb yeah. penalties because we saw what happened in Arizona, not only with Dax' bad play in the red zone, but penalties, too many penalties, too many mistakes. is going to cost you. So Mike McCarthy is going to have to come up with something in order to do that. Especially the fact that this is his first year calling the plays.
0: Right. Yeah, and I think so too. You know, you you mentioned obviously containing Christian McCaffrey. That's obviously defensively to me. That's the key. I I, I think I'm. I think I'm in in the minority of people that actually thinks Brock Purdy's a pretty good quarterback. Again, it, is is he a product to a certain extent of the system around him? Of course, it, it's hard to screw up in a Kyle Shanahan system when you've got those guys surrounding you: Debo and Kittle and Ayuk and McCaffrey, and we know of all the names there in San Francisco with that defense backing you up as well. Um, and and if you remember too, you know Dallas's defense in that playoff game, especially the game in San Francisco, the most recent one was outstanding. He held San Francisco to 19 points. They didn't take mm-hmm. the ball away, but you know Brock Purdy didn't play that well. But you know, credit to. San Francisco, they kind of cashed in the red zone there in the fourth quarter uh, to, to win the game, but I'm with you, and obviously you and everybody out there knows me as like the Dak guy, uh, been a Dak Prescott fan since, since his days at Mississippi State, uh, but again, I, my, my key, and I talked about this on Wednesday's show, is will Mike McCarthy open up the play a bit more for Dak to, to have to win the game? Hmm? Because I'm telling you, Parnell, a Dallas Cowboys running game is not gonna win this game for them the way it would say against like the New York Giants or somebody or right. you know, just kinda of playing conservative. Just you gotta make big time throws. You gotta allow you your court. I mean it all comes down to it, it comes down to Dak it comes down to Dak comes down to the red zone and it comes down to also allowing him. If, if you look at the stats since he came to the NFL, he has been I mean, he's been higher than Aaron Rodgers on this list at times in terms of uh, efficiency, t- uh, put, taking shots down the field. And you could argue if there is a weakness in San Francisco's secondary it, or defense is their secondary. Uh, so being able to take shots down the field to Lamb, to Cooks, to Gallup, uh, I think is to be key. Only tw- only three. Shots of 20 or more yards down the field against Arizona, um, which you know kind of pl- played uh in the in the cowboys' demise in that game. So allowing Dak to take shots, and then at that point, if, if the coaching staff opens it up, it's gonna be a whether or not Dak can make the throws, which obviously he wasn't able to do last year against San Francisco. Uh, n- no question, it's gonna be a big time. What's that?
1: I was also gonna say this is a huge statement game for Mike McCarthy as well, because we okay. all know Jerry is not getting any younger. Jerry at the end of the day, and again, Jerry says, I think his recent comments I'm paraphrasing that San Francisco is the team that's probably going to compete and win for the Super Bowl. However, in order for them to do that, they have to go through us, hopefully, twice a year.
0: Well, well he, he, no, not to interrupt you, he said Dallas has to go through them, them twice, twice a year. He, he didn't, year. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So for Mike McCarthy, again, We believe, I believe he hired him is because Jerry likes him and we all know how Jerry feels. This is a huge win. This is a huge one for you because I've said it before. He's nothing more than a product of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers of Hall of Fame generational quarterbacks. If you're going to have a chance to beat the San Francisco 49ers, ironically, Mike McCarthy is going to have to come up with a great game plan and he's going to have to do a better job calling plays than Kyle Shanahan, so we got to see how Mike McCarthy can handle that.
0: Well, if it comes down to to play calling, then the Shanahan's going to get the best of him in that regard. Because Shanahan is is uh, certainly he's I think he's the best offensive coach of the league when it comes to designing run plays, uh, just just creative ways. Whether it's getting Debo Sam involved and obviously Christian McCaffrey, that's going to be a good one. Do you have a prediction for that game? I have San Francisco
1: winning. I think it'll be twenty to seventeen. It'll be true twenty to seventeen. It'll be a tight fight, fought game. I think San Francisco will probably win a, a field goal. Dak may have a chance in the end, and then unfortunately it'll come up short. Not a pick or a fumble or anything like that, but I think Dak is going to be in tight pressure when it counts most.
0: Okay. Okay. That's twenty to seventeen. That's I think the over under for this game is like forty four. So that'd be that that hit the under. I do think it's gonna be a defensive battle, and it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good one, no question about it. To the NBA, only NBA question because obviously media day was on Monday. Training camp has already started, and the season starts in less than three weeks. It's very very exciting. Um, your thoughts on on the whole James Harden situation? This is now three. This is I guess three times in oh, less than three calendar years. <laughs> it's it, it is it, it's amazing that he he, he let's just say he put on just a. a Tiny bit of weight to get out of yeah. uh, out, out of Houston. You have the situation in Brooklyn. I defend him a little bit for Brooklyn just because of the, the chaos there. I kind of understand why he left. And then this situation now, again, another, and that's become as, I, I think, could I argue, before I even ask you the question, could I argue, argue that James sure. Harden is the most notorious playoff choker in NBA history? I mean, it, I mean, there's there's some guys you can mention, but Harden's, out, I mean, year after year, those these game sixes and game sevens, many of them in his home floor, man, he has been, Bad in some of these games. Um, you talk you talking
1: internally or are you talking all time? Oh, all time, all time. Yeah, he's he's he has to be in that discussion. There's no question yeah. about that. No one's going to forget the 2015 um Western Conference Finals, particularly game five, the amount of turnovers. Yep. 2017, particularly game six, no Kawhi Leonard, no Tony Parker. 2018, it wasn't really all his fault though in game seven remember twenty-seven threes. i think the yes. rockets attempted and they missed all of them 2019 okay KD went down in game five with the strained calf although it looked like to me an achilles but they had a chance in game five they had a chance in game six that didn't work and then of course last year he's definitely in the discussion as far as biggest playoff chokers um, as far as with James Harden skipping media day, we all know why. He wants to be traded. Remember, he called Daryl Morey a liar early in the offseason. Yeah. So no one is going to forget that. Where does he want to go? It's I'm hearing reports that he wants to go to the Clippers. You know, and the Clippers, they could use they need a point guard, especially why not with someone like James Harden and he's back home in California. But what do the Philadelphia 76ers get in return and if you get rid of James Harden what are you going to do with Joel Embiid
0: because he's go ahead sorry no go ahead no, I was just gonna say I think Embiid's gone if they trade Harden because I I read yesterday that the a package would include something like Terrence Mann and multiple first round picks. First of all, Terrence Mann is is, is your running, or of course Maxi would be your, your your running mate for Joel Embiid, and I really like Maxi. Um, I'm not quite sure he'll he'll be able to be a number two on a championship team. Uh, not even saying Harden is, but I, I think you know just just long term that that's the better option. So we we know Embiid has been frustrated, whether it's been with coaching, whether it's been with the front office, and uh, and and again I, I I've been. I've been one of the few for who, who's, who's put more on Embiid than, than, than a lot have in terms of the playoff exits and some of his his, his performances struggling in big games. Um, but I think he's got, I think Miami's potential options and Knicks, but that's another conversation for another day. Uh, but I, I think if this trade goes through, whether it's with the Clippers, uh, assuming it's like Terrence Mann in the first round picks, Joel's like, I'm not sticking around for a bunch of kids waiting for them to develop. I'm here to win now. Um, so that, that that could be, that could be potentially devastating for Philadelphia. That's what I kind of don't blame. As bad as it is, I don't blame Daryl Morey for at least trying to salvage what you have with James Harden trying to stay. But mm-hmm. I don't know. That's where I'm at.
1: Yeah, I I, I feel it. And I just think for um, James Harden, you know, he's getting up there in age anyway, 34 years old. So at some point with the NBA, what's the league? At, at some point, do you think at some point if he doesn't produce or play at an all-star caliber level, the league eventually they'll move on from him?
0: Yeah, and it's, it's, it's also too, he's obviously... His his scoring production isn't near what it used to be, but that you, you can live with that just because he has moved out of his prime. Uh, to his to his credit, he's still a great you know playmaker. He's still I've I've always said like this notion that he's a two guard. No, he's a point guard. Man, man's averaging. He's got the ball in his hands every offensive possession. Uh, he's averaging consistently over you know ten assists a game. He's actually led the league in assists multiple times. Uh, but he's more of a defensive liability than he ever has. Even even at his peak when he was winning MVPs, we talked about his, him being a liability defensively. It's 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 tenfold now. Uh, you obviously have the locker room stuff. You have now, uh, you know, quitting on three teams in three years. I mean, that's you, you, you are right. This, we could be looking at a situation. I I liken it to this. Like, think about, think about Russell Westbrook and how we were dogging him and and how he's struggling in LA. And I've never been a Westbrook guy even before the the Lakers debacle. Um, Russell's teammates swear by him they they yeah. love him in the locker room and that's that that in and of itself now with him being kind of a role player or at least a glorified role player now with the clippers uh that's that by itself is going to keep him in the league for a while it's just and it, this matters in life is if people like you they'll give you second and third and fourth chances uh, i mean how many how much equity at this point is hard now having the league at this point
1: not much. He doesn't have that much leverage at this point. If he were the Harden of old in Houston, yeah, he would have a lot more. But considering the fact that he's getting up there in age and, as you mentioned, with his conditioning, I I, I think yeah. James Harden, it, it wouldn't surprise me if he showed up to Sixers training camp or whatever out of shape. And we've seen this before. And once he gets traded, he'll probably get take off the fat suit and look and start playing like, start having a couple of James Harden games, starting giving you some twenty five and tens, some thirty and tens. But that's really it with guarding James Harden. I hope that Philly could find something to trade in order to get something for him. The question
0: is, what are you going to get? Are you going to get a first round pick? For Harden at this juncture, oh, you'll get first round picks. Yeah, you, you, you'll yeah. get first round picks, but I don't think. Again, uh, uh, to me, this the, Embiid is, is is the factor in this that to me means more than anything because he's right. he's obviously he's the MVP of the league. He's a franchise player, and if if, if and first round 30 pick 30 is the best and
1: I, you can... yeah, and he's about to be thirty in March. And again, given his durability history, how long is he going to last in the
0: NBA? Sure. Yeah. No, I'm with you a, again. The greatest bigs in the history of the league, whether it's your Shaqs, your Kareem's, your anybody, you know, they 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 often need a, a good solid point guard or e- even a guy who can who can score consistently on the perimeter. And Harden's historically been that, but again, that's diminished his explosiveness. Has. uh again, you mentioned too, and I've always it's always I've always gotten a kick out of how yeah, he he's he's incredibly overweight, and then like overnight he looks like the old James Harden. Like how, how did how did this happen like so quickly? It's 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 just kind of it defies science. I I don't I don't get it. But yeah, uh, he, suit or probably in a sauna room for that long uh, so it's one of the two maybe both i don't know uh parnell <laughs> tell everybody out there where they can find you uh,
1: uh thank you again for ha- allowing me to be on the show i really appreciate it um commanders demand you know where to find me every wednesday nights 9 30 p.m on the grid network also the sports psp podcast which will be on later tonight Friday night at 10 p.m. We're going to talk about some sports, some NFL, some college football, some NBA stuff, and also some entertainment. So please stay
0: tuned and, and um, just continue to support the product, man. Yes, sir. You've been doing a spectacular job. I mean, you're out here at freaking you know, Beyonce concerts out here ha- having a good time. So listen, it's, I, needed a part- I needed a vacation. I needed a vacation. Hey, like I said, man, you're, you're having fun. You're doing a spectacular job for the network, and, and we're certainly lucky to have you. Parnell, St. Prue. once again, great stuff on Carving Up Live, and hope to have you on once again in the future, my man. Thank you, Bryson. You enjoy the rest of your weekend, man. You're you too. That was Parnell. Commander's Man Podcast, also sports PSP, like he said. Check out his show uh later tonight. Uh again, like he 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 does obviously talks a lot of sports, talks pop culture uh a lot. Very, very good also too. If you check his social media, he's great on social media. Uh some great kind of like discussion points like uh I don't know, he he, he did he did a debate once. I forget who it was, um it was like with this this rapper or that rapper I can't remember who it was but it, it was he does a great job uh, with with us here at the grid like I said we're we're very fortunate to have him here uh, and does a does a great job again with Commanders demand and uh, makes some great points if you if you want if you're a Washington Commanders fan or if you're just an NFL fan you want a good a uh, Commanders podcast man that's that's your guy to to go see so definitely check his stuff out okay it is now time once again even though it's a bye week for the Vol you, so let's not waste any time let's get into this let's go. The voice of the great john ward once again bringing us into the latest edition of the vol view live here on carving it up and, and listen as a vols fan i i know you might be looking at the fact that hey i mean tennessee comes to the season they're in the top 15 they get as high as as number 11 and of course you have the loss to florida which was highly disappointing but but despite the fact that with a win Curiously, we fell a spot in the AP top 25. Listen, that uh, we're going to get to a point in about a month with the AP. That don't mean anything. It's a college football playoff poll. That's going to mean everything uh, to Tennessee. And I, by the way, let me just say, uh, I, I don't think our, our chances to get to that particular tournament are, are, are terribly far fetched, at least when you consider the, the competition, in the SEC. But my balls picked up. Picked up. Let me rephrase that. Got, stole, and dominated a big time win. Forty one to twenty. More than doubled up the other team. All on one point off of the game last night between Washington and Chicago. Tennessee beat South Carolina forty one to twenty last week in what was no question about it a revenge game for my Vols, given the fact that this same South Carolina team with the same coach, the same quarterback, many of their weapons flat out beat us up last year, put 63 on our heads, and, uh, and ended our college football playoff hopes. and Hooker, our starting quarterback, got injured in that game. Hinton Hooker was going to win the Heisman Trophy. I firmly believe that uh, until his ACL uh, went out, so it was, it, was, it was a bad night. Bad, bad night to, to, to be a Vols fan. So to, to get this win the other night was big time. Uh, by the way, the Joe Milton was prob- probably had his best game of the season thus far, 21-32, to 32, 239 yards, a touchdown, two picks, but was relatively efficient. Tennessee's run game, and again, we, when we talk about, and I've said this week after week after week on the Vault View, that when we talk about Tennessee, we talk about the head coach, Josh Heupel, we think about this explosive, high-flying offense, and it certainly has that potential, and you saw that from time to time. There was a big-time shot that Joe Milton took, where Squirrel White, uh, the the young receiver we've got there, made a spectacular uh, acrobatic catch to set us up in, inside the five-yard line. Uh, Squirrel White, by the way, had a big-time afternoon, or big-time evening, uh, rather, nine catches for 104 yards, uh, also had a, a carry as well. So Squirrel White was you know 100, uh, over 100 yards from scrimmage. Uh, he played well. But we, we, we talk about this high-flying offense. We often neglect the fact that Tennessee's run game just might be the best in the SEC. Tennessee against South Carolina, 40 carries, 40 carries, really committed to the running, to running the football. 238 yards, three touchdowns, six yards of carry. You had Jalen Wright going for a buck 23, had a 42-yard touchdown run uh, in this game. Jabari Small went for 59 yards. Dylan Sampson went for 49, and then he had a you know nine yards combined from Squirrel White and Joe Milton uh, to round it out at 238 yards rushing. So again, Tennessee gets or, or got this past week Cooper Mays back, our starting center back from injury, which made all the difference in the world. And again, against a very good South Carolina defensive front. One that had had played well had kind of beat Georgia up to a certain degree, at least the first half of the game physically. Uh, again, up front against Georgia in Athens, and they they got barely any pressure on Joe Milton. They could not stop the run, and so for me as a Vols fan and for all of Vol Nation, I think we should feel great right now. Joe Milton's playing well; seems to be finding his rhythm a little bit. Uh, really, the 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 worst part of that about that football game and. And certainly the worst part about this Tennessee football season thus far, even exceeding the Florida loss a couple weeks back, is the fact that uh, Brew McCoy, who is the, the the senior wide receiver for for my balls. Suffered a, I don't think it was a compound fracture. It may have been, but suffered just a nasty ankle injury uh, in that football game. Very reminiscent of Dak Prescott's three years ago with the Cowboys. If you For NBA fans out there, Gordon Hayward six years ago, if you remember that, in opening night back in 2017 when he was with the Boston Celtics. So just a terrible injury. The, the, the fans rallied around him. His team rallied around him. Uh, and it looks like, from what I'm reading, it looks like he'll be eligible to come back next season, which is great. You never want to see a kid uh, in, in, his, in his college football career like that. So again, outside the Brue McCoy injury, it was a great night all the way around, got revenge on South Carolina. I I, I loved, I gotta say, I loved the comment from Spencer Rattler, the cor- the-, the quarterback for for South Carolina, who's a really talented kid, by the way. Who, you know, he he goes out there and he says, like, you know, good for them that they they beat us up, you know, good for them, they got the win, and-, and and we were their Super Bowl. I got bad news, uh, Spencer. Um I don't think Tennessee considers South Carolina one of its three biggest games this season. I think it would go Georgia number one because that's the number one team in America. Everybody's got them for Georgia right now and they look quite vulnerable, I might add. Alabama number two. Listen, we beat Alabama last year, but going into Tuscaloosa, into Bryant Denny State, and that's a whole different monster that Tennessee will have to conquer just a couple of weeks after the AM game. And then after that, to me, the, the third biggest game for Tennessee is at Kentucky. Kentucky's playing well, they're playing good football, they're ranked. Uh, South Carolina is not ranked. South Carolina was a, a revenge game, certainly, but not Tennessee's Super Bowl. And I thought the Tennessee social media team did a good job of, of saying, like, hey, we're going to Disney World, right? To celebrate this Super Bowl. Oh, man. It's the same, same program. Not that I blame them, by the way. I mean, I like South Carolina, but I'm going to be objective. Same program that when they beat us last year, when we were the fifth ranked team in the country, I'm pretty sure they rushed the field. You, you can check the tape on YouTube, but I'm quite, I have a pretty good memory. A pretty good, pretty good memory in this old noggin of mine. And I'm pretty sure they rushed the field in that game, but that's neither here nor there. Okay. Who, who, who cares about that? That's old news. That's the past. Can't change that. We could change what we could do. We could go against South Carolina, and we got the job done 41 to 20 against Tennessee. This is the bye week for us. You get healthy, get rested. Uh, and, and again, I think going the bye with momentum is huge. The offense, again, is kind of finding their rhythm back-to-back 40-point games uh, in the last couple weeks following the Florida loss. So big test, though, next week against Texas A&M. That game is going to kick off, I think, at 3.30 Eastern, the big SEC game on CBS. ESPN is giving Tennessee a 56% chance to win. A&M's 4-1. Uh, A&M actually has got Alabama tomorrow. Alabama's a two-point road favorite, so that should be interesting. Uh, I almost hope A&M wins that game, and I'll tell you why so that you beat Alabama, you're feeling great about yourself, and then you walk into Neyland Stadium, and we understand how loud that place can get, at least I think all college football fans know that, and they underestimate us, because A&M, if they beat Alabama, and I don't discount that, because Bama literally can't score points, A&M's going to jump the top 25, they'll likely jump Tennessee, and then we'll come in and beat them next week, but more in the AM game next week. Once we get closer to to kick off in that game, but great win for Tennessee against South Carolina. Enjoy the bye week, Vol Nation. Enjoy all the other college football games this week. For the record, it's actually a pretty good college football weekend. You got bed or not bedlam. You got Red River Rivalry, Oklahoma, Texas. You got LSU, Missouri is an interesting game. Again, I mentioned Alabama and Texas A M, Kentucky, Georgia is a sneaky good game. I think about taking Kentucky in the points. Uh, Notre Dame, Louisville, so. Very interesting game on this on this college interesting games on this college football schedule. Uh, Colorado plays too this weekend as well. I think they'll get the W and get back on track. Coach Prime will have those guys ready to go. So a little bit of a shorter edition of the Vol'a view just because there's no game tomorrow, but exciting nonetheless. A big time win over South Carolina to get revenge from a year ago once again bye week. Enjoy it, Vol Nation. Enjoy it, volunteer football team. Get ready to go next week against the Aggies at home in Knoxville in Neyland Stadium. Going to be a very fun matchup, no question about it. So, until next week, that is the latest edition of the Vol View and Bryson Carver signing off. Enjoy the bye week, guys. Should be interesting, and it should be fun. There you go. Love it, love it, love it. Great win for my balls. All right, so this is, after all, the uh, a big-time weekend in the National Football League. There's some, some great games. Uh, there's no question about that. So, again, I'm 0-1 in my picks thus far uh, this week. I did pick Washington not only to win but to cover. I feel, I feel kind of bad about that today. But, listen, you win some, you lose some. I was on a crazy... Thursday night football roll, dating back to last season. I was on fire dating back to, to last week as recent. Uh, with The Detroit win over Green Bay, and cheese hot Cheesehead Ozzy came to town, came to carving up life for a little a little, little little five- to ten-minute visit. By the way, Cheesehead Ozzy is just a character I completely made up. Or I, I didn't make it up. It's I put the cheese head on, put some shades on, and my man Grady Edwards, shout-out to Grady, great guy, and he said, why don't we call it Cheesehead Ozzy? And I apologize to Grady and the audience out there for, for for not yelling Sharon at the top of my lungs. I I, I feel terrible about that. I feel I feel just 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 awful about that. Just I didn't show up for y'all, and it's that's on me. But we got a great weekend of NFL football, so let's let's, let's not waste any time. Let's go and get the background music going right now. Uh, again, some big time matchups in the National Football League, starting with a great game, and I mean a great game in London. Cross the pond. You got the Jacksonville Jaguars' second straight game in London for those guys against the red-hot Buffalo Bills. B- uh, Buffalo in this game is a five and a half point favorite. Uh, listen, I have Buffalo this week in uh, at my number five spot uh, this week in 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 Bryson's best Tim. You guys know I was very skeptical about the Bills coming into the season. I thought what could go wrong kind of went wrong to, for them to insert to a certain degree. Lost their defensive coordinator. There was the issues between Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, the issues between Stefan Diggs and the Bills organization, lost some players defensively. Like, I just thought it was a weird spot for Buffalo this season. I didn't think they'd make the playoffs, to be, to be completely honest with you. Now, don't feel quite as confident in that pick. I'm still not totally buying them as legitimate threats to the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, but they are playing great football right now. They have some semblance of a running game. Uh, Josh Allen is playing better than any quarterback in football statistically over the past three weeks. As for the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team I picked to lose to Kansas City in the AFC Championship game, Trevor Lawrence had a little bit of an uneven season, four touchdowns in four games. Uh, he hasn't gotten the bit of the doubt in terms of some drops by Jacksonville, uh, but for, for the Jags, it's going to be very important, very... He very crucial for them to get Zay Jones back this week. He's questionable uh, to play uh, this week for the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, with a knee injury. Hopefully, he's able to go for Jacksonville's sake. Uh, As for Buffalo, a devastating loss, losing their number one corner, Tredavious White, last week against Miami with a torn Achilles, which just sucks. I'm rooting for the kid. He's already dealt with some major injuries to to begin with, so hopefully, he's able to get back uh, sooner rather than later. Von Miller, on the other hand, he, he said... I'm pretty sure Vaughn Miller said this, that if there's a 94.5% chance that he's going to play on excuse me, gonna play on Sunday in Jacksonville. So Vaughn's probably going to go. And, and we know Vaughn, if, if he's able to be anything near what he was, even a year ago, his first year in Buffalo, uh, he's going to be a big time playmaker and big time uh, impact maker in this game. But when it's all said and done, delayed it a little bit, sure. But it's my upset of the week. Give me the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes. 27. 24. Over the Buffalo Bills. Jacksonville. Where we at, baby? Duval. I should extend that. Duval. County. Rise up. Second straight London game for the Jaguars. They're comfortable there. They've always been comfortable there. Jacksonville plays in London every season, it feels like. Trevor Lawrence. And the offense found themselves a little bit of a rhythm last week. A good thing, place to build off of. Buffalo, listen, again, we've seen them do it before. They're riding high. They're feeling good about themselves. And then that that, that kid in Jacksonville, that Trevor Lawrence, the third-best quarterback in football. I am hanging on to that. No question about that. Jacksonville, Sunday morning, at least in the East Coast, gets the W. Let's put that up one more time. 27 to 24 over the Buffalo Bills. I feel great about that prediction. I feel great about Jacksonville coming into this game and getting really getting their season uh, back on track. Give me Jacksonville in my upset of the week. Moving on to our next matchup. We got the Tennessee Titans, the Indianapolis Colts, two AFC South teams. The Titans are two and a half point road favorites in this matchup. Tennessee coming off a bludgeoning of the Cincinnati Bengals last week, 27-3. You got Derrick Henry out here throwing T- Tim Tebow-style jump passes uh, in-, in the game. Ryan Tannehill played solid, and the defense for Tennessee was absolutely outstanding. Again, they they did, after all, Cincinnati to a single solitary field goal. And of course, Joe Burrow's calf injury aided that to a certain extent. I still don't know why for the life of me, why well, the Bengals won't rest him, but hey, that's that's Cincinnati's management, and they tend to make decisions in that regard. But this isn't about Cincinnati. This is about Tennessee. And it's about the Colts too who last week we think they're dead in the water against the Los Angeles Rams, down 23 to nothing at the half or not not the half, down 23 nothing in the second half. You got Anthony Richardson coming back from the concussion, kind of trying to find his rhythm a little bit, but I saw something at the end of that football game against the Los Angeles Rams where Colts come back, they tie it up at 23-all, they end up losing in overtime on on a Matthew Stafford to Puka Nakua touchdown pass to win it at the gun for for Los Angeles, and the Colts losing to drop to 2-2, but I saw something for Indianapolis in terms of Shane Steichen really kind of relying on Anthony Richardson's legs more, kind of getting him into more what he's comfortable with. Loved that by Coach Steichen, Love what I saw last night from the last week rather, from the Indianapolis Colts, and... They get Jonathan Taylor back from the pup list, back from essentially what was kind of like a mini holdout. Jonathan Taylor back this week for the Colts. I feel good about this pick. Give me the Colts in an upset over Tennessee. Again, not my upset of the week. That's Jacksonville over Buffalo. But the Colts this week uh, take them the points, obviously, 23-21 to 21 over the Tennessee Titans. And I guess that would move them into bare minimum a tie for first place in the AFC South. Which is which is quite congested today. You got uh, four two and two teams with Jacksonville, Tennessee, Indianapolis, and Houston. So it'll be a big week for the AFC South uh, this early in the season, this early into the month of October. But I've got the Indianapolis Colts. Okay, so. For some odd reason, uh, the graphic for for uh, Patriots and Saints uh, did not download. I'm not quite sure uh, why that's. I'm uh, trying to get it set up last minute. You know what? We'll move on to Patriots and Saints later. Let's let's go to Texans Falcons uh, again. I'm just mentioned the Houston Texans, who are a one and a half point underdog. Atlanta's a one and a half point favorite at home. So Atlanta comes off two straight losses, two straight kind of blowout losses to the Atlanta. I'm sorry to the Detroit Lions, and then last week in London against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, really struggling offense. I don't think it could be argued that among healthy quarterbacks, so we're taking Joe Burrow out of the mix. I'm going to defend Joe Burrow in this regard. Take him out of the mix. Among healthy quarterbacks, Joe, uh, uh, Desmond Ritter has probably been the worst quarterback in the National Football League when you look at the numbers. Atlanta struggled with all the playmakers they have, with B. John Robinson, with Drake London, with Kyle Pitts, with what I think still a pretty good offensive line. Struggled badly. They can't generate anything in the offensive game. He had a bad pick six last week. Bad read um, uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, when they, they returned it for a touchdown. Uh, again, it was it was, it was a brutal offensive afternoon for, for Atlanta as it was the week prior against a good Detroit Lions defense. Um, I got to admit, y'all, I liked C.J. Stroud coming into the into the NFL. I thought it was kind of a rough situation in Houston, given the turmoil, all the head coaches that keep bringing in. I think they've got their head coach, D'Amico Ryans. I think they've got their quarterback in CJ Stroud. I love Houston's offensive weapons, Nico Collins. They've got John Mechie, who's finding his rhythm, Dalton Schultz, Damian Pierce at running back. Uh, and again, this is a Texans uh, offensive line. I get it's missing a lot of starters. I understand that. But it didn't seem to matter that much against my Steelers last week, who have one of the best defensive lines in the National Football League, one of the best pass rushers in the National Football League. TJ Watt, zero. Count that zero sacks on the afternoon in Houston. It's not a good day for me as a Steelers fan, but it was a great day for the Houston Texans, who I think are gonna get their third straight W. Str- look, Stroud looks better every week. Give them by give me the Texans by double digits. 27 16 over the Atlanta Falcons. I feel good about it, folks. I feel good about it. I, I really like CJ Stroud, okay? I'm gonna roll with him. I'm gonna roll with CJ Stroud and roll with the Houston Texans. I like what they're doing over there in Houston. Moving on to Oh, do we have to talk about this game? Do we have to? Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers, Baltimore's a four-point favorite in this game. So, I try to, certainly when it's either involving my team, thus I'm a Steelers fan, or if it's the Cowboys, you guys know I'm the biggest Dak Prescott fan on earth, or if it's a Warriors game, if it's a Red Sox game, or Tennessee game, or even if it's a team I like, like the Jaguars or the Lions, teams I think are going to have a lot of success this year try to take personal feelings out of it. I try my very best, although I fail at times, to be objective. Not necessarily to be objective, but to pick with my head rather than my heart. And this is one of those instances in which what I want in my heart, believe it or not, and Steelers fans may get mad at me for this, I don't want a Steelers win. Not only do I want a Steelers loss, I want Baltimore to kick our teeth in and and beat us by 30, 40 points. I want... I don't want Kenny Pickett to get hurt. He's playing with the bruised knee. But I want Kenny Pickett to struggle really badly. And I want Pittsburgh's offense to not be able to generate anything. Kind of similar to that San Francisco first half. If you remember, Pittsburgh did not have a first down until the two-minute warning. That's what I'd like to happen. I'd like Lamar Jackson against our still what I believe to be a great defense to just go up and down the field and run rough shot on us with Mark Andrews and Zay Flowers. I'd love that. But, and you ask why on God's green earth, would you want that, Bryson, so we can at some point fire Matt Canada sooner rather than later. But what's going to happen is because Mike Tomlin's a great coach, because Pittsburgh got humiliated last week against the Houston Texans on the road, the comeback, home cooking, back to Acrester Stadium, back to Pittsburgh in front of that uh, the, that amazing fan base. Kenny Pickett will play with, with despite the knee injury that he suffered last week, the bruised knee. And I think Pittsburgh's going to cover because Mike Tomlin literally always covers when he's an underdog at home and when he's an underdog at home following a loss, whether it's following a loss in general. When Mike Tomlin is an underdog, you bet on Mike Tomlin more times than you don't. I think Baltimore has a better team, as much as that pains me to say. I think Baltimore's a Super Bowl contender in the AFC. I'll take the Steelers to cover, I'll take the Ravens to win, it's the worst of both worlds if it's going to be close, if the, if the Steelers are going to cover, which they will, take the Steelers in the points, I'd like us to just go ahead and at least win the game outright, we're not, if we lose I'd rather us get beat by 30, it's just going to be a bad afternoon for me as a Steelers fan, and a great afternoon for my man Devin Nettle. shout out to Devin, he may be a Ravens fan, he's an awesome dude of the, uh, of the At The Bank podcast, we, who knows, we may do something on Sunday, the two of us, for this Ravens Steelers game, he's been giving me hell all off season so, uh, we'll see what happens, it's just it's just, not, it's just not good. It's going to be a bad afternoon for me as a Steelers fan. Uh, I'm not looking forward to it. Okay, let's move on to a team I really like. Not a fan of them, exactly, but really like. think they're going to make the NFC Championship game. Detroit Lions, who host the Carolina Panthers, the 0-4 Panthers, who currently have the number one pick of the draft, except that's actually Chicago's pick because they traded it to them. Detroit, big old favorite in this one. Minus 10. Detroit, double-digit favorite. When's the last time Detroit's been a double-digit favorite? They get it at home. I get the offense is awesome at home. That's why I really like Detroit in this game. So listen, Carolina's defense has had its moments. Uh, Again, it gets a a bad Atlanta Falcons offense. They held them in check for a while, but Atlanta really got going there in that fourth quarter, especially with B. John Robinson. Uh, Again, the second game, who Carolina played? They played New Orleans, played relatively well enough to win that game. But again, their offense couldn't generate anything. Again, some of that might have been New Orleans struggles offensively than it was Carolina's successes defensively. Seattle put up 37 on him, so this is a defense that can be had to a certain extent, and Detroit, if you've got any vulnerabilities in your defense whatsoever, particularly when it's in your front seven, oh, Jared Goff, and and, and, and Amonra St. Brown, and Jamison Williams, who looks to be coming back, and, and, and Jameer Gibbs, and... and and, and Laporta, the tight end, and and David Montgomery, and the great offensive line, and Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, let me tell you something, y'all, they are going to expose your every single flaw if they get the opportunity, especially on their home field, especially. I'm seeing some Lions fans out there saying, hey, could this be a trap game? And that's a legitimate question to ask, no doubt about it. But it's a new day in Detroit, as I said, coming into the season, as I said after the Kansas City win, as I said after the Green Bay dominant win, Detroit's going to go to the NFC Championship game. I promise you all that. And they're going to get to 4 and 1 with the W on Sunday afternoon against the Carolina Panthers. They will cover, take give me Detroit big, 34 to 17 over the Carolina Panthers to win this football game to get to 4 1 to maintain uh, their first place spot in that a I'm sorry in the in the NFC South. Uh, definitely feel great about this pick. Give me the Lions in this one 34 to 17 over the Carolina Panthers. Moving on to our next matchup, and this is a weird one it's so the weirdest game this is actually one of the ones I struggle with the most in terms of the odds for this one New York Giants at one and three Miami Dolphins at three and one so you're like Bryson this this should be this should be easy I mean Miami's out here last time they played a home game they scored 70. that doesn't happen much. Did that against the Denver Broncos? It isn't like the Giants' defense is a heck of a lot better than Denver's. It's better, just not, you know, not by much. You know, they did get, you know, they, they lost 40-0 to Dallas, and, and the Arizona Cardinals ran rough shot on them in the first half in that game, and, and Brock Purdy went up and down the field on them in Week 3, and Seattle's offense kind of struggled. A lot of that was because Geno got hurt at one point in the game. I get it, I get it, I get it. I understand that. Go with the Giants and the points. Miami's an 11-point favorite, so both teams, in their own way, got humiliated. Because for Miami, if they go on the road, beat Buffalo in in a stadium they struggle in historically, man, like that, we could, we should seriously be talking about the Dolphins as potentially the best team in football if we weren't already. And they got beat by four touchdowns. Josh Allen and that Bill's offense went up and down the field in that that Dolphins defense. And that Dolphins defense is the reason I think this will be closer than a lot of people anticipate. I get Daniel Jones. Everybody hates Daniel Jones. I have never been a Daniel Jones guy, but I found myself defending him more this year than in years past because quite simply, the offensive line has been nothing short of atrocious. And listen, I love Brian Dable. The opening game plans of these games have made no sense from a schematic standpoint, from a just getting off to a good start, making things easier in your quarterback standpoint. Uh, listen, I, I, I like the Giants to cover if I can go and put up the final score. I think Miami does enough offensively to, to take care of business to win the game, 27-21, uh, to 21, to give me Miami to, to win this football game. But again, I think there are some serious limitations uh, uh, in Miami's def- uh, defense, in their secondary in particular. Uh, this is a game where, listen, this is, this is a game of the Giants, I'm sorry, where, the, where Miami can be had to a certain extent, so I'll take Miami in this matchup, 27-21, to 21, but give me the Giants to cover, I, I, I get nobody's buying stock of the Giants right now, nor should they, but there's always that one game a week in the NFL where you're like, man, that should not have been as close as it was. I think this will be the matchup again. I'm getting the slowly but surely getting the Saints-Patriots graphic ready as we go. For I don't know why that didn't download. Uh, I listen, some some, some technical difficulties uh, coming to the fray from time to time. So w- while we wait to to get that ready, Cincinnati Bengals, Arizona Cardinals, first game of the afternoon slate. Uh, two one and three teams. I don't think we, if we're being honest, do we see this as see them as being two one and three teams coming in the season? I mean, Cincinnati being a one and three given the talent they have. Obviously, we didn't anticipate Bengals calf being a huge problem for them and for the Bengals in general. And I don't think we anticipate the Cardinals would have a win at this point. I gave the Cardinals one win for the whole season. I feel quite confident they'll they'll surpass just their one single win against Dallas, uh, which they got a couple weeks back. But Arizona's at home in this game. They played well at home uh, thus far this season. Almost beat the Giants. It ended up blowing a 20 point lead to lose that game. Beat Dallas. Outplayed Dallas two weeks ago. And now they're in a matchup against Cincinnati who is... This is a... And Cincinnati does, Bengals are in a similar situation they were against the Los Angeles Rams where if they lose this game, their season is over. I have talked up and down, up and down about how brutal this Bengals stretch is after this game. So after this one, they got Seattle, they've got a game against San Francisco in the schedule, includes some games at Kansas City, they got a game against the Bills, the Steelers defense, they've got the Browns still who Joe Burrow struggled against. I mean, this this Bengals schedule is brutal. It's the very freaking reason that with a hurt calf, I'd rest Burrow this game, rest him next week, go 1-1 in that stretch, go to the bye week, then bring him back against San Francisco on October 29th. The Bengals are stupidly not going to do that. But it's a great defense in Cincinnati. It's a defense that can get to the quarterback effectively. Arizona's offensive line actually isn't that bad in their defense. Um, I think they'll do enough, the Bengals will, offensively to make plays. They'll make the game plan as easy as possible on Joe Burrow. They run the football effectively, Joe Mixon. That's really the weakness, the biggest weakness of this Cardinals defense is they're not good stopping the run. I think this will be a Joe Mixon game rather than a Joe Burrow game. Although I do think he'll make some throws, he shouldn't play, but I think he will. Give me the Bengals to barely cover 24 to 20 over the Arizona Cardinals in this matchup. Again, give me Cincinnati 24-20. Uh, if anybody out there bets Arizona, uh, my or plus three, I do not blame you in the slightest. I understand that. Uh, because of listen, they've played all of their opponents close except for San Francisco. And as far as I'm concerned, I think San Francisco is the best team uh, in the National Football League. So you know, got to give respect where it's due. So like I said, give me give me the Bengals in this matchup uh, by a final score of 24 to 20 over the Arizona Cardinals. Again, slowly but surely getting the Saints Patriots uh, graphic up. I promise, y'all. It is now time for my favorite segment. Well, my favorite segment within a segment, so to speak. Uh, My favorite segment on Carving Up Live is predicting games. Uh, Because I love it. I love doing predictions. I love talking about football, of course. And so my favorite segment within a segment is... If I were a betting man, I'm taking a good, solid look at this one. An NFC matchup between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Los Angeles Rams. Philadelphia in this game is favored minus four. So... Eagles come off of their best offensive performance of the season going up and down the field in that Washington defense, which we saw, yeah, so Chicago, okay, so so, so Washington's pass defense is really bad, they struggled against the quarterback, uh, in, in, in Washington's defense, Philadelphia probably has the best offensive line in the NFL, and the one thing I've always said about Philadelphia is the fact that they have, to me... The best team up front in all of football in terms of their offensive line and defensive line—they bully you, they beat you up. Uh, That's that's what Philadelphia could do on a very consistent basis. So, uh, as for the Rams, though, again they nearly choked that game away against the Colts last week, up twenty-three to nothing in the second half. It takes an overtime throw from Matt Stafford to Puka Nakua to win the game. But I gotta say, I wasn't terribly high in the Rams coming into the season wasn't terribly high on Matthew Stafford from from a health perspective and frankly from an age perspective given the the injuries he suffered over the course of his career the injuries he dealt with last season but my twins coming back and if y'all don't know who that is it is Cooper Cup I mean he was after all the Super Bowl 56 MVP he did after all just two years ago have the greatest season that any receiver Jerry Rice himself included has ever had and yes he kind of looks like me I kind of have a little bit of bias in that regard, and I like Cooper Cup. Seems like a good dude, too, and is an excellent player when healthy. Well, good news, Rams fans. He is healthy. You pair him up now with Puka Nakua, who's been statistically the best receiver in football through the first month of the season. Matt Stafford's playing well. The Rams' offensive line is not as bad. It's not great, but as bad as I thought. Um, and this is a Philadelphia Eagles secondary that, believe me, can be had. Matt Jones, in bad weather, in, in crappy weather, Mac Jones is going up and down the field in this Eagles defense. So you're telling me Matthew Stafford? Uh, you're telling me Matthew Stafford can't? I get the O-line ain't great, but neither is Mac Jones. Give me the Rams in an upset. Seriously, don't just take the Rams the points. Give me the Rams in a straight-up upset, okay? 31-27. Rams win it over Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Give the Eagles their first loss of the year. It feels like at some point or another, it's kind of the Eagles are kind of due for just a, a, a bad overall defensive performance that cost them in the long run. So again, give me, the, g- g- give me the Rams in... Wasn't my upset of the week. Again, that's still Jacksonville. By final score, 31-27. I feel good about this one, y'all. I feel good about this one. If I were a betting man, I'd take the Rams and the points and four points and two went outright. That's what I got. Moving on to... So remember on Wednesday's show, for carving up the context, I was talking about Anthony Davis and LeBron James talking about the Nuggets and how we were going to get them this year. Essentially, you kind of read read the tea leaves. That's what they were saying. That's what Anthony Davis was saying in particular, Austin Reeves as well. And I said, I got to admit to y'all, this has to be the dumbest rivalry in the NBA. The Nuggets have Nuggets, players, not the coach, coach bad one Kind of comment about LeBron that I didn't love about making fun of him contemplating retirement. The Nuggets announcers talking about, hey, it's it's the uh, Michael Malone is the Lakers' daddy. Ah, oh, who cares? He's the, he's the announcer. He doesn't impact the outcome of games. So I think the Lakers were overreacting about that too much. And the Nuggets, I think, are going to overreact to a certain degree as well. Well... I think we found the NFL's equivalent of that, except the difference is in this situation, it's two bad football teams. It is the New York Jets. It is the Denver Broncos. And frankly put, it is the Sean Payton game. Remember the comments he made to Jarrett Bell of USA Today saying that uh, last year, Nathaniel Hackett, who's now the Jets offensive coordinator, head coach of the Broncos a year ago, Nat Hackett did the worst coaching job in NFL history. And he wasted the talent that we have here in Denver. He wasted Russell Wilson. And in Sean Payton's defense, Russell Wilson has been substantially better this year than he was last year. Russell's about it. This year, statistically, he's been a top 15 to 12 quarterback, 12 to 15 quarterback in the league. Do I think he's top 12? No. Top 15? Maybe we could have a discussion there. He's played solid. Um, And again, played very well last week, albeit against a terrible Bears defense. Question is, can he do it against this Jets defense? So, look, the Jets have the, I do not believe in moral victories, I think the, the Herm Edwards said, the former coach of the Jets, ironically, you play to win the game. The Jets didn't win last week. Zach Wilson played well. Matter of fact, outplayed Patrick Mahomes. But he fumbled at midfield. And the Jets' defense couldn't get a stop. Again, the Kansas City Chiefs had the ball at midfield, seven minutes left. And Zach Wilson did not touch the ball again. That's on his defense. We can whine and complain about, about penalties. Patrick Mahomes ran for a first down, third and long to seal the game, man. You've got to get stopped there if you're a great defense, which I do believe the Jets to be. I don't think this is going to be exactly I um, I don't think this is going to be a, a, a situation where it's like the, the Rams and Chiefs game years ago on Monday Night Football where the Rams won 54-51. don't think we're going to see that. Don't like Denver's defense, but I like Denver's offense. Don't love the Jets' offense, but I love their defense. So what do I do with this? Well, I'll decide to go, put the final score up. I'll decide to roll with the New York Jets to win this game. Twenty-three again. At this point, it's kind of all they have to play for. It's, it's, it's sort of sad. Uh, I mean, it really is. It's, it's sort of sad that this is this is where it's come down to for, for the New York Jets in the again the Sean Payton Bowl. But you gotta you gotta take your victories where you can get them. Give me the Saints in this match. I'm sorry. Give me the the, uh, the, the Jets in this matchup. 23-20 over the Denver Broncos. I guess Zach plays fine, sort of. I think the Jets' defense will make a couple plays. I think Brees Hall gets involved a lot in this game, by the way. Uh, uh, Jets' coaching staff is talking about how he's ready to go. He's, we're going to give him more of a l- more workload. He's trying to work him back slowly following the ACL injury a year ago. I'll take the Jets. It, it's not my Bryson's Bleak Beck game, but it's close. I'll give, I'll give the Jets the, the W. Gets two and three. And uh, their Super Bowl, their Super Bowl, with no Aaron Rodgers now, is this game. They'll show up in the Mile High City and get the W over the Broncos, 23-20. Moving on to the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champions against the Minnesota Vikings. Kansas City on the road, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Again, this was almost my if i were a bet man game because, simply put, Kansas City's offense is kind of in need of a... Let's get a, uh, again, sort of a get-right game. And you say, Bryce, I thought that was the game against Chicago. No, 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 no. Chicago's defense is probably the worst in the NFL, not named the Denver Broncos. Minnesota's isn't that much better, but Minnesota did hold Carolina to 13 points last week. A bad Carolina offense, I understand that, and a terrible Carolina offensive line to 13 points. But 13 points 13 points, the defense may have stop at the end of the game to get the W. But with the press surrounding the Kansas City Chiefs, surrounding not Patrick Mahomes and not Andy Reid, not Chris Jones, the game's not played at Arrowhead, so not Arrowhead and the great Chiefs fan base. It surrounds uh, the guy who I, I'm so, I can't tell you how happy I am for him. He, his name is Travis Kelsey. I don't know if you've heard of him. Getting to He's dating Taylor Swift, and I'm so just beyond excited about what she's done for this man's career I I, honestly guys I've watched sports for a long time watched football for a long time no clue this guy was I had no idea who Travis Kelsey was before two weeks ago and what Taylor Swift has done for his career bring him into the limelight and introducing him to even football fans who are kind of unfamiliar with who's this Kelsey 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 he's a pretty good player he's, he's he's solid I'm speaking facetiously, of course. Travis Kelsey is one of the greatest tight ends ever. I don't know if Taylor's going to beat this game uh, when it's all said and done. I think Travis is a big-time performance. Chiefs dominate the Minnesota Vikings, bring them down to 1-4. and four. Give me Kansas City in this matchup, 34-24 to in this game, 34-24. I almost never, almost never have somebody <laughs> just run into my studio. Never happens. My sister was in there. I just, she just walked in when she heard me talking about uh, that Kelsey guy. Taylor Swift, the Swifties are, are very excited about this, so give him the W, and Kansas City's simply the better team, Patrick Mahomes is going to have a spec. all this slander of Patrick Mahomes, is he the problem with the Kansas City Chiefs offense, oh, stop it, he's the best quarterback in the league, fourth greatest quarterback in the history of the game, you heard it here first, okay, give me Kansas City in this matchup, my final score of 26 I'm sorry, not 26, uh, uh, by a final score of 34, uh, to 24, I feel great about this prediction, this is almost my, if I were a betting man game, uh, gig Kansas City, uh, wins, uh, with it, when it's all said and done, okay, I finally got my graphic here, I finally got my graphic of, uh, New Orleans Saints and New England Patriots, I've got it in here, uh, so, this happens to be my Bryson's Bleak Bet game, Bryson's Bleak Bet, so, look, <laughs> you guys know I love Derek Carr, I've loved him since his days at Vegas. And I said I I I thought the addition of Carr to what was already a pretty darn good Saints for the United Division to win them a pretty weak NFC South. I don't believe in Atlanta. I did like Carolina. They're 0-4. They're not they're not going anywhere this year. Um And I I listen, it's. I get Tampa Bay's good. I still invite a Tampa. But Derek Carr was limited in practice again. This is only to me, this is the second biggest uh, example of quarterback malpractice to a certain extent given what the Bengals are doing to Joe Burrow with the calf injury throwing him out there when he's clearly not healthy and clearly looks worse and worse and worse physically but they're putting him out there second to that is what the Saints are doing with Derek Carr okay Derek Carr gets a, a big defensive lineman or big defensive player lands on Derek Carr goes shoulder first into that that grass at Lambeau for some odd reason played last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay ended up winning that game uh, in New Orleans, and now it looks like he's probably going to play this week against the New England Patriots, but, but, and but. This is a New England Patriots offense who happens to have this guy by the name of Matt Jones, at quarterback, and in case I haven't made myself pretty clear, uh, he's not very good. So I must say, once again, Demario Davis Cam Jordan, all Saints defensive players. Watch out because number 10 may cheap shot you. Okay, watch your backs and watch your sensitive area at all times because he has, a, he has a habit of kicking you or punching you or whatever in that area. I don't know what it is with him. Mac Jones is the dirtiest quarterback in the history of the NFL. Certainly, in modern history of the NFL. I don't know what they did in the 30s and 40s when the quarterback threw like one pass a game. I don't know the history of that. I just know about the modern era, Mac Jones is just that. That, too, that, that along with the fact that, listen, New England got the crappy news this week that Christian Gonzalez, who you guys know I loved out of Oregon, I think he's going to be the best corner in this year's draft. And he was potentially the front runner to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. And he's gone for the season uh, with, with I think it was a shoulder injury, if I'm not mistaken. So just terrible news for the Patriots, terrible news for Christian Gonzalez. And they traded for J.C. Jackson from the Chargers. J.C. Jackson, who was terrible with the Chargers, play with the Patriots. That's why he got his big, that big money he got in L.A. Uh, he's back in New England. I have no reason to believe that he's just going to flip the switch into the, the old J.C. Jackson. Uh, so I'm going to take the New Orleans Saints to take advantage defensively, get a couple turnovers off of Mac Jones because he's, he's going to give you opportunities. You just got to take advantage. I think the Saints will. They're one-point favorites in this game, so it's almost a pick them. Give me the Saints. It's Bryce's bleak-bed game. I don't feel awesome about it. 26-13 over the New England Patriots. That's what I'm rolling with. I don't, I don't feel awesome about it, but that's what I'm rolling with. So, this last one. It's a game of the week in the National Football League. I would I'd make the strong case it's the game of the year in the National Football League. It is the Dallas Cowboys. And it is the San Francisco 49ers in Levi Stadium in the Bay Area. Shout out to my fellow Warriors fans out there. Uh, San Francisco is a four-point favorite in this game. Again, to me, this is this is a game that features the third best team in football, in my eyes, Dallas, and the best team in the NFL, the 49ers. I've had the 49ers at number one on Bryson's best 10 for now four weeks in a row, dating back to week two. So I think their offense is stacked. I like Brock Purdy way more than most. I think Brock Purdy, at his absolute peak, I'm not kidding, can be a top 12 quarterback in the NFL. I've seen him make tough throws. He just so happens, by the way, to be ranked 10th in big time throws this season. Or not big time throws. I'm sorry, in tight window throws. So this notion, oh, they just they 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 don't want him him to take a ton of risk. Well, he takes risks. He does, and he's gotten lucky on some drop picks from time to time. But he doesn't turn the ball over overwhelmingly. He makes tough throws to guys like Ayuk Kittle and Debo Samuel, who will be big-time impact playmakers in this game. Listen, this, to me, is going to be a defensive struggle throughout. Kind of like the playoff game was back in January when San Francisco won 19-12. to Neither team broke 20, obviously, in that matchup. You heard Parnell about an hour ago uh, on this show talking about how the key to this game for Dallas is stopping Christian McCaffrey. Uh, The key for uh, the the Cowboys offense is is for Dak Prescott to play well, for Mike McCarthy to allow him to play well, and and for Mike McCarthy, I guess, to out-duel Kyle Shanahan. Well, that is not going to happen. Okay, Kyle Shanahan, to me, is one of the three best coaches in the NFL. He's the best run designer in the NFL. If there's one thing, again, it's it's, it's one segment that I do every week. It's called, if I were a bitten man. I, I, I get that, and I reserve that for other games, and I'm not going to use it for this game. But if I were a betting man, I don't know what the over-under is for Christian McCaffrey in terms of rushing yards. Whatever it is, take the over. Okay, Dallas, as great as they are defensively, and as great as Micah Parsons is, what's his weakness, what's their defense? They can't stop the run. They can't. Arizona ran for 200 yards on them two weeks ago. Uh, again, the, the, the Giants, Jets, and Patriots couldn't because Dallas' offense jumped out to so big of a lead. Or in the case of a Giants game, Dallas' defense and Dallas' special teams jumped out to a lead where those offenses couldn't rely on the running game. They had to resort to, to throwing the football uh, on a consistent basis. This is going to be one that comes down to the wire. I think San Francisco's defense, again, is loaded with great playmakers uh, in the linebacking core up front. Uh, I, I don't think Dallas's offensive line is as good as people make it out to be. And frankly put, and I said this on Wednesday, if Dallas is to win this game, if they are to overcome the hurdle that they couldn't overcome the last two years in the playoffs, and this notion that this game holds some type of significance relative to what those two games were, that notion is crazy. It's big for for Dallas psychologically, but it's not, this is the crossroad game for the Cowboys. This is a crossroad game for Dak. No, it's not. If they meet in the playoffs, different story. Does Mike McCarthy allow Dak to be the reason the Cowboys either win this game or are in this game, because that's going to have to be the case, because if this is a Tony Pollard game for Dallas, they cannot win, not against that, not against that line in San Francisco, okay, not with, with Nick Bosa, not with, 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 Armstead, not with those guys, you can't run against this Niners defense consistently, this, for Dallas to win, Dak's going to have to be not even great, because I think it's going to be low scoring, just good, If he turns the ball over, he turns the ball over. I'm talking about making the tough throws, making tight window throws. He's going to be under pressure a lot. Will Mike McCarthy allow him to do so? If he does, and I think he will, come second half, it's going to get to a point in time where Mike McCarthy is like, okay, I got to abandon the run. It's not working for us tonight. Dak, can you win us the game? Can CeeDee Lamb separate consistently? I think the answer is yes. But Dallas is bad in the red zone. They're bad in the red zone, and no defense is going to take advantage of that more than the San Francisco 49ers. Get ready, Dak fans, Cowboys fans, for the everybody pouring on Dak, despite the fact that, you know, literally no quarterback plays well against the Snyder's defense uh, in the last few years. But I'm going to take the 49ers to win and cover, cover the four-point spread, 24-19. It's a low-scoring affair. I'm taking the under. I think the over-under is 44 points, so uh, this 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 adds up to 43. So I take the under uh, in, in this matchup in terms of the total points, and I take the Niners to win this game outright because I think their defense is spectacular. Uh, I think Dallas' offense is good. I don't think it's good enough uh, to compete with this Niners' defense consistently. Uh, so give me the 49ers to win this game, 24-19. to 19. I will say this. You guys know I'm the biggest Dak fan on earth. I mean, I've made that pretty apparent. Um... And clearly, by my prediction, there. I'm to put that up. Uh, one more time. I've got San Francisco 24-19. I think Dallas is going to get in the red zone. It's going to be kind of similar to the Arizona game, uh, almost to a t, where Dallas gets. You know, th- this is not a big time Brock Purdy game. It's a big Christian McCaffrey game for San Francisco. Uh, and-, and Dallas's offense isn't able to cash in the red zone. Um, not even I think Dak can cash in against that defense. I, 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 I don't. And I love Dak. But I've seen Aaron Rodgers in his prime struggle against that defense. I've seen Matthew Stafford struggle for three and a half quarters against this defense. I've seen Geno Smith. Geno's not as good as the guys I mentioned, but I've seen Geno Smith struggle against this defense. Jalen Hurts struggle against this defense. If Dak leads the Cowboys to a win against San Francisco, because for Dallas to win, he will have to be the reason they win. He he will. I'm gonna need some apologies. I'm gonna need some apologies on my show. I'm not gonna lie to you, and more importantly than me, Dak's gonna need some apologies. I'm just telling you that right now. By the way, before we get out of here, so I, I I didn't put the graphics together because there's not enough space in the streaming service I or streaming app that I use to uh, to do carving it up live. But uh, Major League, so I again I, I caught crap from my from my grid teammates, and I love every single one of them, but I, I caught crap from some of them for saying that guys. The wildcard round of the MLB playoffs is irrelevant. It, it, it is. This, this, I'm talking about this year's edition of the wildcard playoffs. Irrelevant. Nobody's watching. And the ratings kind of bear that out. It, it's, it's irrelevant. Um, the Division Series, on the other hand. Woo. If you're a baseball fan, you're going to enjoy the next week or so. Rangers, Orioles. Let's do a quick, quick prediction, then we'll get out of here. Rangers, Orioles. So I, I had the Rangers getting swept by Tampa Bay. I, th- I thought the Rangers blew the division at the end of the season. Uh, the, the morale of that, of that ball club would be in a bad spot. But not only did they sweep Tampa Bay, Tampa scored one run in that entire series, uh, in 18 innings of play. So Rangers, who probably should have won the AL West, against Baltimore, who had the best record in the American League. Uh, and it's been kind of the surprise team of Major League Baseball. I'll go Baltimore. It's best of five in the divisional series, for those of you who don't know. I'll go Baltimore in four. So they win the series 3-1 over Texas. I love their pitching. Their offense is, is opportunistic. They're great uh, uh late innings. But I most importantly I like their pitching. This again, a lot of a lot of the baseball betting people are saying this to be a, a nip and tuck series decided by maybe a pitch or two here and there, a, a key decision by the manager here and there. I'll take Baltimore. In four games over Texas. Uh, Sticky in the American League. Minnesota Twins. Houston Astros. Um, I think this will be the least entertaining of the series. Listen, Minnesota is a cool story. I know they, they finally won a playoff game. Which they haven't done in forever. Uh, they swept. Uh, crap, who do they sweep? Uh, in the uh, Toronto. Which I love seeing, by the way. I picked Toronto to win. Uh, glad that Minnesota got the sweep. Because I'm a Red Sox fan. So I don't like the Blue Jays. And I don't like the Orioles either. But hey, they, I think they're going to win this series anyway. Houston, however, finished the season hot. Uh, Jordan Alvarez has had an outstanding season. Jose Altuve has been pretty solid, pretty good since he came back from the injury. Uh, listen, this is as 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 battle-tested a baseball team as you could possibly have. Obviously, they've won two championships, won an illegitimate championship because of a cheating scandal. But last year, they kind of validated, or not validated, they sort of shut up the people that said, oh, the only way you can win by cheating. Well, Dusty Baker had that team position to win last year. Pitching was awesome. Justin Verlander's back pitching well. Uh, all the Mets fans that were clowning Justin Verlander, no 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 no. It's not a Verlander problem. It's a Mets problem. It's a crappy it's a crappy organization, crappy franchise. Houston's incredibly well run. So, I'll take the Houston Astros. They're just the better team uh in 3 games in a, in a, a sweep, 3 3 zip over over Minnesota. Diamondbacks, Dodgers, I think goes 4 I think gets to, uh, to gets to a game 4 in Arizona at Chase Field but again the Dodgers are just the better team uh Mookie Betts has had a spectacular season as has Freddie Freeman pitching in LA's LA been good again the, we, we know that at their peak at their absolute peak the Dodgers offense has a potential to be the best in baseball I don't trust Dave Roberts in the long run I I don't th- and I love Dave Roberts obviously as a Red Sox fan given what he did for us back in 04 uh but uh, his 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 decision making has I mean his decision making helped help the help the Dodgers Kind of gift us a no, I should say gift us a world series. Uh, kind of helped the Red Sox win the World Series back in 2018. So thank you very much, David Roberts. Always in service of the Boston Red Sox. But I'll take the Dodgers in four games. Just the divisional familiarity there. Arizona makes it makes it interesting. Um, I still like Corbin Carroll a lot. Give me the Dodgers, though, in four. But the best series. What could and I love the Dodgers, but one could argue this is the National League Championship series. Philadelphia Phillies, Atlanta Braves. Philly, we know the experience they have last year being the sixth seed, surprising everybody, getting to the World Series after firing their manager earlier that year. Bryce Harper's had another great season. Uh, 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 Trey Turner's been good. I mean, this is a, that, 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 let me tell you something. Winning in Philadelphia, winning playoff baseball in Philadelphia as a road team is brutal. I think this is a series where nobody wins too straight. I mean, whether it's one and two, two and three, three and four, I think it's going to be one, two, three, four, five. It goes five, but the team I picked to win it all before the season started, the Atlanta Braves, eke out this series in five games. Atlanta simply has the best pitching in the playoffs. Offensively, Ronald Acuna Acuna had one of the best seasons in the history of Major League Baseball. Uh... Let's see, uh, they've got, uh, uh, Matt olson has been great as well, so I'm going to take the Atlanta Braves in five games. So that means my final four, by the way, I went one and three on my picks in the division series, or in the in the wild card round, so I'll bounce back this week. I- I've never been good predicting baseball series, ever. I don't know what it is. I suck at it. I suck at it. But division series, I'll bounce back. So I'll have, that'll give a Houston Baltimore ALCS, and a, this will be so good, an LA Atlanta NLCS. Dodgers Braves once again for the third time in five years. I think it is four years. I think four years in the NLCS Dodgers won that series in 2020 went on to win it all. Atlanta won in 2021 went on to win it all. Could that be the case this year? Maybe I said, I said a rematch of 2021 would be would, 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 would happen. Houston Atlanta in the world series. Still feel great about that. Um, great division series coming up, though. Philly-Atlantis could be such a great great series. And then finally, too, and I promise then we'll them we'll be out of here. Um, to, again, to my fellow baseball fans, are you seeing the reports that Shohei Otani signing in Boston seeming all the more likely? I've already got my show planned out. I've already got my whole show planned out for when? Because it's gonna happen. When Shohei Otani signs with the Boston Red Sox. Uh, he's 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 buddies with Yoshida, who had a great year for us uh, this past season. There's the New Balance connection, obviously New Balance, uh, heavily affiliated with the Boston Red Sox. Uh, Shohei Otani's with New Balance. You know, we screwed our franchise over back in, in 19, was it 1919, when the when the Babe Ruth trade was made to the New York Yankees and cursed us for 86 years. We traded Babe Ruth. Wouldn't it be a, a, a great turnaround in Red Sox history for us to bring in the next Babe Ruth. Oh, be beautiful. Championships will be coming pretty soon to Boston. Uh, back, back to Boston, Red Sox fans. Say, sit tight. Sit tight. Shohei's going to sign soon. I guarantee it. All right, that is all the time have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by. As always, be sure to catch Carving Up Live on Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time right here on Twitter as well as the Carving Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. Thanks so much to Parnell. The Commander's Demand podcast here on The Grid. He's also got his his other podcast, his general sports and entertainment podcast, the Sports PSP Podcast. Check his stuff out uh, on social media, on The Grid Network, uh, on YouTube, everywhere, all over the place. You can find him. He does a spectacular job for us. Uh, had a blast with him on today's show. Of course, again, be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. And, of course, go subscribe. You know what to do. To The Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network, right here on YouTube, as well as any and everywhere you get your favorite podcasts, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast. Once again, thanks to Parnell. Thanks to y'all for showing up. As always, uh, tuning in to the show again, we'll be back Monday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time. Twitter, YouTube, you know where to find us. Subscribe to Carving It Up. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers by Super Bowl 58, which is February the 11th. We're up to, I think, 449 at this point, so we're well on track to do just that, to get to 1,000, to get to 1K. Uh, So if you have subscribed, thank you so much. Please tell a friend to tell a friend about it to subscribe to the show. If you haven't subscribed, again, just takes a couple seconds. Boom, you did it. See, look how easy that was. Hit that big red subscribe button. I'm trying to get to 1,000 subs by the Super Bowl. Support's been unbelievable, guys. Great, greatly, greatly appreciate it. And obviously, go subscribe to the Grid Network as well. All right, great football weekend ahead. Not really looking forward to it for my Steelers. Thanks to be a bad week all the way around. Think we're gonna cover and still lose, which is the worst case scenario. I'd rather just get blown out and fire Matt Canada and start from some from scratch and, and, and you know after the bye. But you know. We'll see what happens. I, I don't feel great for my Steelers right now. I don't really have a reason to. We'll see you on Monday. Please stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And, of course, please, please, please be sure to contact your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence. Got to address it. Great football head. Great baseball head. And guess what? The NBA is two and a half weeks away. Cannot wait. See y'all on Monday show. It's gonna be a packed one, no doubt about it. Probably not. Probably definitely gonna lead. Uh, uh unless there's some crazy like trade or something in the NBA. Whatever. Uh, definitely gonna lead with Cowboys, Niners. Again, I got the Niners in that marquee matchup, 24 to 19. Gonna be a fun one, no question about it. See y'all on Monday. God bless you all. Peace up. I like these earbuds for my show. We'll use it moving forward. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube and be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on The Grin Network.